What's happening, Rock family? I'm here with my son, Miles. We are on a missions trip in Myanmar, in Asia, right above Thailand. And uh, we're just here in a small village, uh, just visiting people's houses. And I just wanted to say a couple of things. One, I miss you. I, I haven't been there in four weeks, and I can't wait to be back next Sunday, uh, starting a new series called Fight Club. Uh, talking about how we should fight in the spirit for uh, the spiritual battles that we face every day. And I want to encourage you to come, but I also want to encourage you to pray for believers all over the world. We've been ministering and visiting believers here over in, here in Thailand and Myanmar, and I just want you to pray for them that they will be safe and protected and have an opportunity to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God bless you, pray for us, and we'll see you next Sunday. Amen, amen. So we're going to get started. Let's start the way we start. Let's get on our knees and pray. Those of you who can't, you can pray right where you are. The Lord will hear you. So Jesus, we come before you today. Lord, we thank you that you uh, woke us up this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just move me out the way and speak the message that you have for your people this morning. Lord, we love you and we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If we can, I can just ask you to pray for the Martinez family, um, Terry Martinez, I believe his name, P uh, PST. He suddenly passed away, I believe, last night. So you guys just could lift his family up uh, to you. He was a member at the church. As again, I say he's a PST. Just be praying for his family. Um, one of our pastors, he gave, uh, he always gives great perspective. Um, Mickey goes, uh, yeah, well, he... You know, he passed away and he woke up and he was in heaven. So he said, if I, if I went to sleep tonight and woke up tomorrow in heaven, don't be sad for me because I won't be thinking about you guys. <laughs> so much love on when the pastors meet. The sweetest love each other so much. But uh, um, as I said, I've been here for quite some time. I've been married for 22 years to my uh, college sweetheart. Amen. I have, three, I have three children, a uh, 22-year-old daughter, 20-year-old son, and a 17-year-old 17 17-year-old daughter. And it's just, a, just been a blessing just to, as I've grown here, just growing uh, with my family. But as we get into the message today, we've been talking about are you prepared? And last week, Tommy talked about, what did Tommy talk about? No, Tommy talked about just be, being prepared for tough times, right? He talked about Jane, consider it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience, not, let patience have its perfect work so that you may be mature and complete, ready for anything. So God's desire is for us to be mature and complete, ready for anything. And then Mingo talked about having a prepared heart, of making sure our hearts were prepared. And then uh, the first week of the series, uh, Mickey talked about having that actual kit, preparedness kit, making sure that if something went down, man, we would be ready. Because how scary it was when we had that blackout within 8 to 10 hours, it was like a ghost town. You couldn't get money out the ATM, you couldn't get gas, there was one grocery store open, like everything was crazy. So just make sure that you have everything ready. But as a show of hands, how many of you are ready for disaster? Yep, so the rest of you guys, number one, you're sinners. No, just kidding. Don't, don't, be, don't be offended. We're all sinners. But it really is a matter of us being prepared for, uh, you know, for disaster. But there's another disaster that I'd like, like to talk to you today about is God has given us a way to prepare for disaster. But it's not a natural disaster. It's actually human disaster. And the disaster that I'm referring to is human disaster, as I believe, is destroyed marriage. That's a human disaster. And those things can be prevented, those things can be avoided. Broken families, one of the fastest growing populations, unfortunately, right, is single moms. But I'm a, product of a, I'm a product of a single mom, and God in his sovereignty, God says, you know what, I can make it work. However, right, and whatever you give me, I can make it work. But we really, really need to be prepared for human disaster because that really is ravaging. That is destroying our society today. Amen? Amen. So open your Bible to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1.
as you're turning there, as, as God has given us this, this love kit of this is what we should put on. But sometimes it's really important for you to understand how much someone loves you. Because when you understand how much somebody really, really loves you, then you'll do anything they say, anything they ask. And God made it really, really simple. He always gives a simple message. I grew up in New York City. I grew up in the Bronx, New York. And, woo, Bronx. Here we go. And one of the things, I grew up playing sports. I started playing football when I was about 13 years old. And football, Pop Warner football in the Bronx was a little bit different than out here. As I've coached, you know, out here. And out here you have, when you sign up, you have an application. Um, you have weigh-ins. Like, it's, it's legit. Well, in New York, in the Bronx, when I played Pop Warner, it was pretty much you show up. Like, that, that was pretty much it. And I can remember one, uh, one game we were playing, they were called the Young Pros, and they had black jerseys, uh, black jerseys with gold. Uh, and I can remember we were all standing there. Now, now, mind you, this is 12 years old and under, 12 years old and under. So we're all standing there, our team, we're looking, we're all ready to go. And here come the Young Pros. And we're looking at them, and not only were they bigger than us, not only were they swole, but they have full beards. <laughs> and I'm thinking, right, I'll go, I look at the coach, and I'm like, coach, do you see this? They have full beards. There's no way they can be 12 years old. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm thinking the coach is going to go to, you know, go to the coach, go to the officials and say, hey, this is not happening. You know, our guys... But Butch Perkins and Al Lewis, they were our coaches for everything. We trusted them, and we knew they always had our best interests in mind. And here's what they told us. I was a running back, and they told me this. They said, yeah, they are big. They said, so you don't want them to hit you? I'm like, no, I don't want them tackling me. And he said this to me, straight face, didn't say another word, and that was it. He said, well, when we give you the ball, you make sure you run faster than them. <laughs> that was it. Clear message, simple. Not that I liked it, but it was like, okay, I knew exactly what I needed to do. God has given us a clear message on how to prevent these things of human disasters. And it's a matter of are we going to question it or are we going to do it? It's not always easy. It may not always feel good. But it's very, very beneficial. So in Ephesians chapter 1, I just wanted to give you a snapshot of how much God really loves us. Because sometimes I think we underestimate it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the wonderful kindness he has poured out on us because we belong to his dearly loved son. He is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins are forgiven. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. Man, when we read that, I know sometimes it just seems like words, but man, that is an incredible love letter. I mean, that is incredible. God is saying, man, this is the creator of all things. And he's saying, you know what, man, this is how much I love you. If God gave you a post-it note, this would be the post-it note. So on your bulletins, everybody take your bulletins out. Oh, we forgot. here we go one time. Word. Word. Take your bulletins out. That first line, dear, write your name in there. And I want this to serve as a reminder to you every single day. So we'll say, wherever your name is, dear Richard, just wanted to remind you of how much I love you. And remember, I believe in you. Man, that is God saying, man, I believe in you. When you read these words, make sure read these words again so that you know exactly how much he loves you. Because when you know how much he loves you, when he tells you to do certain things, whether you feel like doing them or not, you're going to do them. Our first, uh, our first point in the bulletin is our Heavenly Father has spoken well of us 
and chose us to be holy and blameless. Chose us to be holy and blameless. We as parents, we love to brag on our kids. Amen? Amen. And we'll brag about, we'll brag about anything. Right? We'll brag about, we'll say our kids are in the highest percent, you know, percentile as far as height. Right? And you ask, them, hey, how old is your kid? Two. It's like, like why does that even matter? Or we like, we like, you know, we brag, like, I, you know, I like to brag is, you know, my youngest daughter, you know, she just got accepted into Stanford University. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Because when she, you know, when she comes and asks dad, can you help me with my homework? I mean, sometimes I literally, I look at it like this. And then I, I'm thinking, maybe I'm looking at it wrong because I don't, and I, all I say is, babe, I, I can get you something to drink. I can get you something to eat. That's pretty much it. That's all I can do for you. But other than that, I cannot help you with those formulas. But as much as we brag about our children, as, as, much, as much as we love our children, man, this passage of Scripture is saying, man, that's how much I love you. That's what God is saying to you. Like, your picture is on God's refrigerator. Like, that's how much he believes in you. And my, and my hope and my prayer is that you would know and you would understand is that when he has instructions for us, know that the one who has instructions for us, man, he loves you no matter what. It, he said it gave him great pleasure to love you. The second point is our godly adoption has blessed us with life-changing traits and benefits. Life-changing traits and benefits. God has chosen to adopt us despite anything that we have, whether we feel like we have something to offer or not. God said, man, I, I chose to adopt you. I've already adopted you. I've signed the paper. Some of you have accepted the adoption. Some of you have not, and you will have an opportunity to be a part of the family. But God is saying, man, these, these are the things I've done for you. And then point number three, it says God forgave us of much worse than what we will ever have to forgive others of. God forgave us of much worse than what we'll ever have to forgive others of. In Romans 5, 8, it says, and while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. So while in the process of sin, he died for us. Like he knew all of this stuff. And he said, I'm laying my life down for you. Now, I know, you know, some of you are thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Like, I don't really, you know, do a whole bunch of stuff. But it's, it's the condition of our heart. As the word says in Jeremiah, for our hearts are most deceitful. How many of you know a deceitful person? Anybody? Don't be pointing, right? <laughs> most, right? It's most deceitful. Not just deceitful, but the most you could possibly be. That's the condition of our heart. Desperately wicked. That was the condition that God said, I know all that. I got all of that. I chose you. I chose you. Let me see if I can give you a little picture. Imagine if there was a, a, a little, I don't know, a little port that came out of your neck, and there was a screen right here. And on the screen scrolled your thoughts all day long. And you couldn't move the screen. Like you couldn't face it, you know, backwards. And every time you're talking to somebody, right, they ask you, hey, you know, you know, hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm good. Hey, how are you? Good. Oh, I love your shirt. And on the screen, it's scrolling. <laughs> she knows she shouldn't have bought that shirt. <laughs> right? Could you imagine that? Like on and on, all these things are going. See, that's what God sees. God sees that screen. God sees those thoughts all day long. And he says, I love you. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm choosing you still. Man, that, to me, that's an amazing, amazing, amazing love that we have to know, okay, God, whatever it is that you're calling me to do, whether I want to, whether I like it or not, man, I'm going to be excited to do it. See, this is a deeper love more than a husband and wife love. 
A deeper love more than a parent loves a child, right? I'll do anything, right, for my kids. We love our stuff. We love a deeper love than you love your dog. Deeper love than you love the Chargers, as long as they stay in San Diego. <laughs> deeper than that. But when you understand this love, let me, let me uh, encourage you in this, is here's some things that you shouldn't ever feel because when you feel these things, no one understands that they're from the enemy, they're not from Christ. You shouldn't feel guilt because that's not a Christ. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. You shouldn't feel shame. You shouldn't feel unworthy. You shouldn't feel invaluable. Those things are not from the enemy. So when you, when you, those things are not, are not from Christ. So when you feel these things, no one understands, say in your mind, that's not from the Jesus. That's not from the God I love. That's not from the God who, who, serve, who I serve. And dismiss him. Now they will continue to come, but you have to make sure that you're ready to fight. So the human disaster kit is really, really simple. But it's, I want you to listen to the description. Lord said it's the most important and it's the greatest of all things. Now, if the Lord said it's most important, it's kind of like, remember that old commercial when E.F. Hutton talks? People listen. When last time you've seen that? I don't know. But we remember it. When, God's, when, when the word of God speaks, when he says this is most important, this is the greatest, man, we want to pay attention. We want to listen. Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. This is like a drug with no side effects. You ever hear those commercials? Right? I got high blood pressure. Okay, I'll take this to my high blood pressure. Side effects may include. Then it's like another minute. Right? Your foot might fall off. Your heart palpitations. You know, you may go deaf. You may go blind. But you won't have high blood pressure. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 13. I just want to, I want to read you the, the, this is the, this is what they're saying. This is what the Word of God is saying that love is better than these things. If I could speak any language in heaven or earth, right, love is better than that. I'm like most of you, right, my Spanish, un poquito. It says, if I had the gift of prophecy, if I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything. Now, that's pretty powerful. The word is saying that love is better than that. If you knew everything about everything, growing up, I thought my dad knew everything. And even, even if he didn't know the answer, he would give you an answer that was so confusing that you forgot what you asked him. But wouldn't you want to know, you would think, okay, to know everything about everything, like that's pretty deep. Like there's nothing that can be better than that. But the word of God is saying, no, love is, love is better than that. It says, if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move without love, I would be no good to anybody. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body and I could boast about it, but I didn't love others, I would be of no value whatsoever. So that's that's saying, if, if, if I'm reading this, I'm saying, man, I, I want that. Like, I, how many of you would want that? Tell the person next to you, you want that. And then here's what it does. In verse 6, this is what love does. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Here, love never gives up. Love never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. The Word of God said love never fails. So if love never fails, that means that it's us, that we have to figure out, man, how do I love like this so that it doesn't fail? Now, it doesn't mean when you love, every situation will go perfectly, but the Word of God is saying, no, if you love this way, love never fails. And you may say, well, okay, how do I do it, right? Just like my coach, run faster than everybody else. How do I do it? First, the first attribute, love is patient, right? The Lord will put you in love training right away. Patience. Definition of patience, long-suffering, comma, 
without complaining. Yeah, like, I don't know if I want that love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable, and it keeps no record when it has been wrong. Those are, those are the, 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 the action steps. How do I do this? Which, which one? Start. Pick one. Pick one and begin to work, begin to move uh, in those things. Number four, love prepares us and is the key to healthy relationships and godly living. Love prepares us and is the key to healthy relationships and godly living. Whenever you watch a football game, you watch a two-hour game, but before the game, the athletes, they have prepared about 25 to 30 hours of preparation for that two-hour game. So it's really the preparation that prepares you for the event. So how do you prepare? How do we prepare in relationship? How do we prepare when, right, the quickest way that, that love just disappears is when we're driving, right? Road rage. How many road rages we have in the house, right? A lot of you don't even know. But let somebody cut you off and then tell you that you're number one with the wrong finger. Road rage, instantly. You want to follow him. I have a friend, he like follows people, and I'm thinking, it's not that serious. But understand, it's all about the preparation. Sometimes we role play. How do you role play? How do you prepare yourself? How do you lovingly prepare yourself? Sometimes you have to role play in your mind what you're going to say. Role play a patient answer. Role play a kind answer. But we usually when we role play, we don't do that. Right? We role play arguments. Yeah, right? Okay, let, let him say this. Okay, when he say this, I'm going to say that. Oh, and if he say that, it's on. It's on. That's how we role play. Well, we don't role play. Okay, if he says this, I'm going to just say, brother, can I pray for you? We don't role play that. But if you want to prepare, if you want to prepare, if you want this thing that's greater than knowing everything about everything, if you want to put love on, Begin to role play like that. Role play the attributes of love in your mind. Right? Condition your mind. Our minds are conditioned with all types of things. Why not condition your mind with this? If you have little kids, why not condition them right early on? Raise them up on fruits and vegetables. Raise them up on the fruit of the spirit so that they grow up and they learn these things. And that's their first response. Okay? We, that's, what we want to, that's what we want to be their first response. Sometimes it's... It, it's Love is difficult because it's used so many different ways, right? The one word used so many different ways. Now, we know we have agape, which is unconditional. We have phileo, right, which is brotherly love. And then we have eros, which is the erotic or sexual love. But in our society, we use love the same way for a lot of different things. I love you. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my dog. I love Roscoe's chicken and waffles, right? I love so many different things. Right, and we, we use the same word, but it means so many different things. That's why it's very confusing. But the love that we're talking about is how do you love in different, in different relationships? How do you love in your marriage? How do you love your kids? How do you love your neighbors? How do you love your enemies, those people that you know hate you? How do you love them? And why would God even want me to love them? And God, do you even want me to love them? Or did you put that in here as a mistake? One of the things, before we go to really talking about that, I want to hit one thing real quick because I think it's really, really important, and it can destroy our love. It's kind of like a bacteria of love, and it's unforgiveness. Some of you in here, with a, with a, a group this size, some of you in here, you need to forgive somebody in your life, whether it's a, a, a family member, whether it's a a spouse, a child, a friend, a boss, you need to forgive that person. Because here's what you, here's, here's what, repeat this after me, forgiveness is for me. Forgiveness is for you. It's not for them. It's for you. And it may feel like things are good, and it may feel, but it's, it's a weight. Okay, it, it's a weight. It's, it's burdensome. And here's what grows from unforgiveness. Bitterness, anger. Frustration, stress, resentment, 
inner turmoil and ungodly behavior. That's what grows from unforgiveness. So you have to, you have no matter what they've done, no matter how painful it is. You may be saying, but Pastor D, man, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how much they hurt me. I don't. But I know God is saying, no, forgive them so that they don't have control over you. Because that's what it is. When you haven't forgiven somebody, they have control over you. You know, when you see that person that you haven't forgiven, you don't role play the fruit of the Spirit, right? You role play all different types of things. and Your body gets warm inside and you start sweating. And you think of all these things. It's like, no, forgive that person. Now, you don't, here's, what you, here's what I want you to know is when you forgive somebody, if they've hurt you or done wrong to you, I'm not saying you have to be best friends with them. I'm saying forgive them so that they don't have control over your life anymore. Because this is what God is telling us to do. He's telling us, make sure you forgive. Number five, whether you're feeling it or not, love out of obedience. Whether you are feeling it or not, love out of obedience. Like I said, we've been married for 22 years, and every now and then my wife will ask me to do something that I don't feel like doing. And I don't do it now. But there are times when I do it, but I preface the doing. And this could be wrong. This could be sin. You could be like, Pastor, I can't believe you would do that. But I do it. I'm still a work in progress. I say, I don't feel like doing it, but I'll do it because I love you. Now, some people may say, well, why do it if you don't feel like doing it? So my question is this, should you fake it till you feel it? Yes or no? Everybody, how many say yes? Fake it till you feel it. How many say no? If you don't feel it, don't fake it. How many? Raise your hand, let me see. Listen to this. Obedience has nothing to do with feelings. I'm going to say it again. Make sure you all hear me up there. Obedience has nothing to do with feelings. Here's a quote, a quote, C.S. Lewis quote. It says, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will come to love them. When you behave as if you do, you will come to love them. So, It's not about how you feel. It's about being obedient. This applies to your marriage. Whether you feel it or not, you do it. Why? Because you said you would. You said in good times and in, but as soon as a bad time happens, we switch it up. So maybe couples should, when they get married, they should say, in good times, And some bad. Like, if it get too bad, like, I mean, maybe you should have a list of bad that you're not down with. <laughs> so that both parties know and we're on the same page. And if they want to agree, then they agree and they can't ever complain. But we say in good times and in bad. With your children, right? When we love our children, sometimes it's easy to love your children, especially when they're little. As they get older, they begin to, you know, you know. Cause do, do this, right, the teen years, right, and then even, you know, adults, we still have to make sure that we are, that we're loving them. We have to put these things on. Love is patient. Love is kind. And then your enemies. Now, there's no way that God would want us to love our enemies, right? Why would he want us to do that? Do he know, does he know what these people have done? Matthew 5. I read it, read it for you. It said, you have heard the law of Moses say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. 
For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends out rain on the just and the unjust too. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even the tax collectors do that much. If you are kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. That's Matthew 5, Matthew, uh, yeah, 5, 43 through uh, 48. Even the tax collectors, even people who don't know Jesus could do that. So we're saying, man, we serve this incredible God, but we're saying we can't love this person. We can't love an enemy. Are we truly being a light? Am I saying it's easy? No. No. But here's what, here's what that would do. It says, uh, number six, uh, number six, loving, God, loving God's way may not change your situation, but will grow you and sustain you. Loving God's way may not change your situation, but it will grow you and it will sustain you. If you love God's way, it will grow you. You will grow. It will give you, you will grow in the fruit of the Spirit. That's what you want. If you're praying for anything, pray for more fruit. Right? Trader Joe's, they have good fruit, but it ain't like the fruit of the Spirit. Right? More love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness, more self-control. Man, that's what I want. Because, again, the Word of God says that love is better than knowing everything about everything, speaking all these languages. So we want to make sure we put that on because this is truly the human disaster kit. It will give you everything you need to endure. Some people say, well, if I love like this and the Word says that love never fails, this should change my situation. It might not. It might not. But it will give you what you need to continue to love. Well, how long do I have to do that? As long as the Lord tells you. As long as he tells you. But it don't feel good. Why do I, I don't feel like loving, right? It don't always feel good. I'm not going to lie to you. When you're loving somebody and you're not receiving it back, that doesn't feel good. I'm not going to stand up here and, and tell you, oh, yeah, just praise the Lord. No, sometimes, sometimes when you're praying, you got to say, Lord, I've been loving, and I don't feel like I'm getting it back, and this sucks. But, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you because your word says that love never fails. We need models. That's what we need. That's what this world needs. We need models. We need to show, man, what, what does it look like? Right? Men, men of God, husbands, fathers, what does it look like? We need to be showing this younger generation what it looks like. Women, we need to be showing these young ladies what is it supposed to look like. We need to show that. It's us. It's not the world. It's not the news. It's not magazines. It's not all of these shows and, and the Bachelor, Bachelorette. All, it's, it's none of that. It's going to be the people of God that's going to show this generation, man, what does it look like to love in in an authentic way? That's what it's going to take. And your last point, being a follower of Christ was never supposed to be easy, but it's well worth it. Being a follower of Christ was never supposed to be easy, but it's well worth it. So the first thing we need to do is change your expectations. As a follower of Christ, change your expectations. What do I mean by that? Don't assume that when you are being a light and when you share the gospel, you know, with people, that they're just going to be so excited to hear you and say, you know what, I've been waiting for you to share the gospel with me. Change your expectations. And then the second thing is, don't be so sensitive. Yeah, be sensitive because it's not up to you. What happened to the word, it's not up to you. Our own responsibility is to be a light, share the gospel, and the Lord says, I got it. It's up to the Lord what he does with the word when it goes out. See, the results are up to him. And the Lord, he, he hooked us up anyway. He said, even though, he said, even if you're persecuted, you're going to be blessed. In Matthew 5, 11, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. So here's what you should be doing. Here's what you should be doing. If you think Christianity, right, is 
boring. I just got to go to church, listen to somebody talk for 35 minutes, listen to some music, be in traffic, walk to the parking lot, got to say who's the man, got to say praise the Lord. I don't feel like doing that. I got to give high fives to people I don't know. I got to give a hug. I ain't no hugging person. Just love me from a distance, right? I got to do all these things. If you want excitement in your life and you want to be blessed, right? Everybody want to be blessed. I mean, anybody want to be blessed? Blessed? If you want to be blessed, you should be looking for people who might persecute you who might not say nice things to you. Matter of fact, imagine this, how exciting this would be. And you walked around, you went to the mall, how many of you go to the mall? You walked to the mall and you looked around and you're like, okay, I need, to sh- I need to share my faith with somebody. But I want to share my faith. I'm looking, right, you're looking to share your faith with somebody that might just cuss you out. You don't want to do that. That's too much excitement, huh? Oh, that's a little too much. That's too much. But the word of God says, blessed are those who are persecuted for our name's sake. The reason why that's in there is that you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry about anything. Because if somebody receives it, praise the Lord. If somebody persecutes you, which is not really persecution, praise the Lord. Just continue to, continue to pray for them. So understand, being a follower of Christ, it was never supposed to be easy. If somebody told you that, erase that from your mind. Because it's never going to be easy, but it's definitely well, well worth it. Can't, right? Don't be sensitive. Change your expectations because God is going to ask you. Sometimes it may be tough things to do. God's going to ask you to do tough things. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to figure it all out. But in everything you do, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. To guarantee, if you love God's way, he says that it will never fail. It will never fail. What that means, God said it will never fail. It will never fail. So all I have to do is make sure that I'm continuing to do things the way he's calling me to do them. As we read in, as we talked about in the beginning, we're talking about an adopted family. Right? And some of you have been adopted into the family. And some of you understand having all the spiritual blessings. And some of you understand what it means to love. But some of you, you're kind of on the, on the periphery. Right, you've heard about you've heard about Christ, but you've never really accepted you never really accepted it. Right? Like you you know you know about it, but it's like, uh, I don't really know. He doesn't really know what I've done. He doesn't really know what my heart is. We read in the very beginning that he chose to accept you. Despite, right? Despite anything you've ever done. Remember, even the screen. He sees it. He sees the stuff that's scrolling through your mind right now. Oh, here we go again. He sees all of that. And, Jesus, and the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, man, I love you anyway. I've chosen you. He signed the adoption papers. All you need to do now is you need to accept them and say, yes, I want to be a part of that family. So everybody, if you will, will you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray? Because today we may get a new family member. So, Lord Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you, it gave you great pleasure to adopt us into your family. And, Lord, we had absolutely nothing to offer you. But you did it anyway. You chose us. And for that, we can be forever grateful. But, Lord Jesus... There may be one here who they've never accepted you. They've never accepted those papers, Lord. Even though their names are written down, Lord Jesus, even though you've already laid your life down for them and for their sin, even though there's nothing that they've done in their life to hold your love back for them, they haven't accepted you. Lord, if there's one in here today who's saying, man, I want to accept you. I want to be a part of that family. I pray that they would pray this simple prayer in the privacy of their heart. They would pray, dear Jesus, thank you that you had me in mind when you went to the cross. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. Thank you that it gave you great pleasure 
to adopt me. Lord Jesus, despite all the things I've done, all of the thoughts that I have or have had, none of that holds you back from accepting me. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you and I want today to be the first day of a whole new life. If that's you and you prayed that prayer today, you're saying, man, I want to be a part of that family. I want all of the blessings. I want to be in. I want to surrender my life. Stand to your feet and become a part of the family. Don't worry about anybody around you. Don't worry about who's looking. God bless you. Stand to your feet. God is saying, I laid it all down for you. I laid it all down for you. I want you to accept the love that I have for you. I want you to accept the spiritual blessings. God bless you. God is speaking to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for those who have stood up. I ask you, if you're standing up, I ask you to do one more thing. I ask you to come out of your seat, come down to the altar so we can welcome you into the family. Come on down, come on down so we can welcome you into the family. God bless you. for the decision that you made. How old are you? 14 years old. 14 years old. Amen. Amen. I tell you, man, I wish, I wish, I wish that somebody would have shared Jesus Christ with me when I was 14 years old. What a great, that's a blessing. So as, as you're up here, know that these here, right here, even though you don't know them, that's your family. That's your family right here. And one thing, man, I can assure you that the stand you're making today, God is going to do something great with it. Amen. God bless you. you know, it's like coming to a family reunion. You don't know nobody, huh? It's like, that's my cousin. But if you want, uh, we're going to take communion, right? So as you, we're welcoming our new members to the family. We're going to have a... celebration. So we can have usher. Can we, uh, do you have communion? You have communion? Okay. So communion, we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's because God, his body was broken and his blood was shed. Not because he knew we would come to church, but he knew that we would sin. He knew that we wouldn't live a righteous life. That's why he laid his life down for us. So we ask us to take communion, to eat the bread and drink the juice that represents his blood in remembrance of him, and he said to do it often. So I'm going to pray as we take, let's take the bread as I pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken on our behalf. Lord Jesus, even though we think we know what that sacrifice is, Lord, we have no idea. But Lord Jesus, thank you. And then open the foil. As we drink the blood that was shed for our sins, continue to know how much God loves us. 
and he chose you. When somebody tells you you're unworthy, somebody tells you you're not valuable, just let them know. The Savior chose me. I don't have to live to please you. So as we drink, let's be reminded of that. As we drink, let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for our sins, Lord. And I thank you for this young man and this young lady, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that today will be a day that they remember for the rest of their lives, Lord Jesus. And we have no idea what you're going to do with their lives, Lord Jesus. But Lord, I pray that it would be powerful. I pray that you would show them great and mighty things that they don't know. And Lord, I pray that they will be obedient as well as all of us, whether we're feeling it or whether we're not. Lord, bless them, Lord, today. Bless each and every person here. And let us put on this love kit each and every day. Let's walk in it. Let's learn. Let's grow in it, Lord Jesus. And let's show others what God's love looks like. So we love you. We praise you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you all. If you guys want to call, if you can go that way, they're going to give you some information just to let you know how to be part of the family. And then let's welcome Allie. Let's cheer them all the way in. My name is Ali Khan. I'm on staff here. And as always, we have an amazing group of men and women up here at the front ready to pray for you. And as Pastor G just preached, God is a God of love and he loves you and he gave his only begotten son on your behalf. And so we know God's a giver. And now as we prepare our hearts for this tithe offering, this is never done out of a religious obligation. This is an opportunity for you to experience God's heart as a giver. And so we've got three ways you can do that. We've got some tithe boxes in the back, some offering boxes for you as you exit. If you're watching online, there's a little button on the right-hand side of the screen you can use there. And then you can also text to give. So let us bow our hearts. Father, you are good. You are holy, you are high and lifted up. You deserve everything, everything we have. Lord, you are pure. And we thank you right now for this opportunity to give back to you what was yours to begin with. And we pray that you would just bless those who give a hundredfold, a hundredfold this week and emotionally, physically, and spiritually, way beyond the coin or the dollar. And we pray, Father, that you would use these resources to bring light into the darkest places and to rescue those who need a rescue, Father. And so we commit this offering to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great Sunday. So